Hey guys, producer Danny here, and I know what you're thinking. Where's Rebecca? Where's the brought to you buys? Where's the witty one-liners? Don't worry, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Contrary to popular belief, our program each and every week is brought to you by you, our great listeners. Thank you for making 2018 our best year yet, which makes sense because it was our only full year, but it still was our best year yet. Be sure to subscribe, review, and follow us on all the social platforms. That's your Twitters, that's your Instagrams. And be sure to hit up the Gmail from time to time. We love hearing from you. As for the one-liner, sure, I can take a crack at it. So my bank called the other day. They said my balance was outstanding. So I guess you could say things are looking up. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. It hasn't been the happiest of New Year's so far for you and me. We're, we're in our basement with our hats on and our coats on as we both are at the tail end of having the flu. Um, it's been a it's been a fun start to the New Year. Our oldest daughter got the flu on New Year's Eve and uh, and flu has been in our house ever since. So Happy New Year's to us. You're at the tail end. I think I'm at the midsection still. Yeah. But uh, I'm here in a in a the same coat that I wore into Antarctica, and a winter hat, and um, you're under a some kind of a southwestern blanket, a, a giant blanket uh, to keep me warm while we while we do this. And our, our basement always feels cold, but because of the state of our health right now, it feels freezing down here. So uh, so anyway, happy New Year! If uh, if you if you're listening and you're healthy, be glad for that. And uh, if you're you're listening and you're not healthy uh grab a blanket and join us why are we doing this by the way is denny such a taskmaster that he demanded us rise from our sick beds well first he, de- a podcast? he demanded that we take the previous two weeks off because uh he didn't want to edit anything and uh and then he's demanding that we send in a pod today whether or not we're feeling well so we just do what what denny tells us to do the obvious question that my dad asked on the phone this morning was, why didn't you get a flu shot? I don't know why I didn't get a flu shot, and I'm mad that I didn't. Um, our youngest two kids had flu shots because when they got their physical this fall, um, when we were at the pediatrician, they got their flu shot. And um, just an oversight, a dumb oversight on my part. Why didn't you get your flu shot? Well, I, I forget that it's cold and flu season. I mean, it's there are so many seasons now. Can we talk about that? There's, you know, there's pumpkin spice latte season. We just finished bowl season. Bowl season. Now we're coming up on awards season, like Oscars and that kind of stuff. And, and, and with all those seasons, you just slipped your mind that there's cold. And of course, we just completed the um, Toyota Celathon season, right? Be, the sales event season. I kind of wish that there was, you could get a shot for some of the other seasons. Like, I'd be fine getting a shot for the bowl season. Getting inoculated against yeah, bowl season? Yeah, I don't really watch any of the bowl games, so I'd be fine with that. It was interesting to fall asleep during the, as we record this, last night's uh, national championship game because uh, I couldn't tell at some point what was happening in real life and what was part of my fever dream. And uh, when I woke up, I didn't know if Clemson really had won 44-16 to 16 or if that was part of my 
my um, crazy visions I was having in the night. Yeah, this is uh, where I am in life. Our, our, we went. I went to a high school girls basketball game last night that was being played, not at the same time, but the same night as the college football championship. And there was no place I would rather be than at the high school girls basketball game. And I had no interest, nor did I care that I was going to miss the entire college football game. Speaking of that, both being at a basketball game live and I was home watching the, the national championship game, before we started recording this podcast, you were watching a, a college basketball game on your iPad, and I couldn't see the game, but I could hear the announcers. Yeah. And isn't it strange that there are announcers? Why are there announcers? When you go to a game unmediated by TV, as you did last night at the high school, you don't have announcers. You're not hearing in your head sort of... You uh, don't want announcers. You, you don't, don't want need announcers. announcers. Well, it's, you know, I, I flew down. I got the flu or re- realized I had the flu when I woke up in Waco. I flew from Hartford to w- to Dallas, drove a couple hours to Waco. Waco's not the easiest place to get to. I woke up and realized I had the flu. And so I drove back to Dallas and got on a plane and came home and never got to go to the game or do the game. But one of our neighbors and good friends who watched the entire UConn-Baylor game, when they were talking to you, didn't realize I wasn't there. And that I that even though they listened to the entire game, they had they didn't realize that I I wasn't there and didn't call the game. So so is it like a is it like a referee that a good referee you don't notice during the game? Is that the same true of, of a good broadcaster? You did, don't notice him or her. I guess during all the course you can do all you can do is screw up the game. But uh, yeah, I don't know why they have announcers, but uh, I'm thankful they do because I mean of of course you need somebody to explain kind of what's happening no, and why you, things you, are you, happening. But you don't, um, and I'm grateful that <laughs> I'm grateful that that this You're grateful came to be. that I'm employed, yes. Yes, absolutely. But I think it's a carryover from radio. Obviously, if you're listening to a game on the radio, as everybody did before there was TV, you need somebody describing what is happening. Right. But if you're watching the game, and especially, you know, now people probably only semi-watch the game because they're also looking at whatever device is in their hand. But when sports were first being televised, of course you didn't need an announcer telling you what's going on because people's attention was 100% on the screen watching the action. But it's so ingrained now that it's weird when there are no announcers. And every once in a while, somebody does a announcer-free broadcast, and it, and it is weird. You know, you talked about me watching a, a college game just now on my iPad, and I've been watching a lot of high school games, watching a lot of rec league games. And I've decided, I think, that the thing that frustrates me most that happens on a basketball court is when somebody makes a no-look pass and they're, they're trying to pass to a wide-open person and the pass goes out of bounds. So instead of looking at the person and passing them the ball, they look away and turn the ball over. And the last time I saw that happen, I was thinking that is just like the waiter or waitress who takes your order but doesn't write it down. And I'm, I'm never impressed by that. I don't, I'm never impressed by the fact that my waiter doesn't write down my order. All I care is that the food comes out right. So it's like when they don't write it down and then they bring you, they bring you the wrong thing. That is the equivalent of the no-look pass that goes out of bounds to the wide-open player. Unnecessarily increasing the degree of difficulty. For, for absolutely no reason. Like there's, there's not a special assist column for the no-look pass doesn't exist. When a point guard is dribbling up, say, the right sideline, and they look to their right and pass to their left, <laughs> are they supposed to assume the defender thinks they might be passing it out of bounds? 
yeah. on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing, and you see it a lot in youth basketball that drives me nuts, is the kid who, you know, through the legs, through the legs, through the legs, behind the back, and doesn't go anywhere. If you haven't gone anywhere, I'm not impressed by all the all the maneuverings you can do with the basketball. If you have a simple crossover or a hesitation move and you get from point A to point B and the defender hasn't stolen the ball from you, that's more impressive to me than the kid. And you see it a lot in youth basketball, the kid who comes down through the legs, through the legs, and uh, you know, showing every trick in the book and has stayed in the exact same spot on the floor. That reminds me of one of the kid's favorite jokes about the pirate who walks into the bar with a ship's steering wheel hanging from his crotch. And the bartender says... What is that? And the pirate says, I don't know, but it's driving me nuts. Yes, that is our kid's favorite joke. It's one of my favorite jokes, actually, too. And and yes, that is the thing that's driving me nuts. That should be that should be a regular uh, sort of pirate themed segment. What's driving me nuts this week? <laughs> I hesitate to say anything on this podcast since it's been called to my attention by one of your colleagues and a listener that I am. The constant interrupter. <laughs> yes, one of what, someone uh, that I work with, he pointed out that he noticed that you can tend to interrupt me frequently, and he said in his marriage that would happen once because if he interrupted his wife, that would be that would be it. She would let him know that under no circumstances is that okay, and uh, and yeah, you you are you are the grand interrupter. That is that is definitely true. You're, are you just going to sit there now and, like, raise your hand? Can I talk now? You could talk now. I apologize for constantly interrupting. Do you notice when you do it? Like, if I interrupt someone, I recognize that I've done it, and I usually, like, back off or feel bad. So when you it's, – it's such a part of your conversational style. Do you even recognize when you've interrupted someone and started talking over them? What I'll say on my behalf – and if I can't speak on my behalf, who can? I don't think that I'm interrupting. I think that I haven't finished the thought. And so when that person thinks I'm pausing to let them speak, I'm actually pausing to intake more breath so I can continue speaking. I believe that to be true because sometimes it happens if you haven't said anything yet and somebody's talking and you interrupt them. So it's not like you're resuming anything because you haven't started anything. But I'm glad that maybe, maybe my colleague bringing this up and me bringing it up to you, maybe it'll make you more aware of it and it'll make you a better conversationalist because you'll interrupt less. Was this some kind of interruption intervention? Yes, I think that's, uh, that's exactly what it was. I mentioned that when I woke up sick in Waco, I got in an Uber and uh, got the two-hour drive back to Dallas. And as I was sitting there just feeling horrible on this ride, at one point on 35W, there was a giant billboard, and it, and one half of it was dark and said hell, and the other half was, you know, like sunsetty and said heaven. And the tagline at the top said, where are you going? And I was just sitting there thinking, I'm going to DFW, <laughs> and I'm sick. Like, where are you going, heaven or hell? Isn't there some nuance? Isn't there some place? in between heaven and hell that we can get to um, on our daily in, in a daily basis. Like for me that DFW. day, I just go on DFW, then I'm going to take a flight to Detroit, then I'm going to take a flight from Detroit to Hartford all while I'm sick. Like I, I didn't I didn't need that thrown at me right at that moment. First of all, you said when I woke up sick in Waco, 
Yes. That's sort of like busted out in Baton Rouge, waiting on a train. Yes. It's a country song. It's totally a country song. Oh, when we were talking about the things that um, that I might not love, things that are driving me nuts. One of the things, I, I wanted to know how you feel about this. At a, at a youth sporting event, whether it's, you know, elementary school all the way through high school, how do you feel about the adult high five in the stands? When one parent, somebody, you know, somebody's kid does something well, so a parent turns around and high fives another parent in the stands. What you, what's your thoughts on that? I haven't been confronted with having to leave an unrequited high five to a parent who's attempted to high five me. That would be awkward. Uh, maybe because I keep my hands jammed in my pockets, but um, you can't leave them hanging, surely. I know, but just as an observer, like the, the person didn't try to high-five me. I just saw across the across the gym, one parent high-five the other, and I was just sitting there thinking, I don't know exactly how I feel about that. It's ludicrous, of course, but it's not as nearly as bad as the middle-aged person reaching down for a high-five or a, for to get some dap from, like, a professional athlete or a college athlete going down the tunnel at halftime. Right. That's that's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Yes. Especially when it's unrequited and, and the guy's just hanging over the, the railing and, and the 22-year-old doesn't return his, his high five. We've been to so many youth basketball games uh, in the last few weeks since we last talked to people. I'm just remembering now we were at a basketball game somewhere down on the Connecticut coastline and a gentleman came up to me and said he was a, a listener to the podcast and introduced himself as the guy who eats frosting directly out of the fridge. And I knew exactly who he was. The second he, he identified himself in that way, uh, we knew exactly who he was. I thought so. you were going to say you knew exactly who he was even before he identified <laughs> yeah. himself in that way. He just looked like the guy who ate he frosting. He ate frosting in, at the, in, right in his hair above his ear. No, yeah, as soon as he said that, we knew exactly who he was. I liked it. Uh, you may not remember this, but... Uh, Sometime since we last spoke, and of course you and I don't speak unless we're doing this podcast, uh, sometime since we last spoke, we were going, it was night, bedtime. And it was night, bedtime. Yes. Okay. I woke up sick in Waco, <laughs> waiting on a train. No, I, I was going to bed. I think you may have already gone to bed. And you said, if you get insomnia and wake up in the middle of the night, feel free to move the clothes from the washer into the dryer. And I thought that crossed some sort of Rubicon because while I'm used to being told what to do and when to do it, it was the first time you had given me a an overnight to-do list that, that if I'm so inclined, I could wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning when the wash machine is done and put the clothes in the dryer. And I thought that was crossing a line. I totally remember that. And it was because I, I had to do a load of laundry th to have it ready for the next day. Maybe our, our daughter needed her practice penny washed for practice or whatever it was. But I, I simply knew I wasn't going to stay awake for 45 minutes until the, the wash was done to put it in the dryer. <laughs> it wasn't an absurd, absurd thing to say. But I think eventually, I think I did end up staying up long enough to, uh, to put it in the dryer. But yeah. Did you or did I set of my phone alarm There's to no wake way up at one thirty. There's no way you set your phone alarm. You, you would not set an alarm to wake up to put clothes in the washer to dry, but what an, what an absurd thing for me to ask. But um, I like it. Before Christmas, our, uh, our oldest daughter, who's playing high school basketball, she jammed her finger, her pinky finger, in a game, and it was, uh, it was pretty nasty. It got you know really swollen. It was purple. She had a game the next day that she played in, 
And after that game, um, I was out to eat with her, bringing her home from that game, and the pinky, it looked it looked really bad. And I have a really, I have a messed up pinky on my hand, and I didn't want hers to, to be fractured. I was concerned it might be fractured. Well, let, so me, I, let me get this right. Let me interrupt. Her pinky was purple? Her pinky was purple, yes. And uh, That's the flip side to woke up sick in Waco. Right, exactly. Anyway, so I took her to the urgent care because I just wanted to make sure that it, it wasn't fractured. And the doctor came in, and I just said to her, you know, my daughter jammed her finger playing basketball. I just want to make sure it's not fractured. And the doctor did not, it was a woman, and she did not know what a jammed finger was. She looked at me very confused, and she said she did what to her finger? I said she hit it playing basketball. I'm afraid, I'm cons- I think it's just jammed, but I want to make sure it's not. She didn't know what a jammed finger meant. And so as she's looking at our daughter's finger, she starts squeezing the joint. And if anyone's ever jammed a finger, they know that nothing hurts more than if then somebody squeezes it. So the doctor is squeezing it, and our daughter's looking at me like, what is happening? You promised this wasn't going to hurt. Anyway, it ended up not being a fracture. But the uh, the doctor said, you know, you know, whether it's a fracture or not, she shouldn't play for a week. And I was thinking, this woman has absolutely no sports medicine experience because of course she's going to play. She's just going to tape it to the finger next to it and get out there and deal with some discomfort. But it was, it was just kind of funny to be around, you know, this woman is a medical doctor, but must not see very many sports injuries because didn't know what a jammed finger was and then thought that that was going to take a kid out of commission for an entire week. Are you sure she was a doctor and you hadn't walked into like the dry cleaners next door? Because what doctor, regardless of having a sports background or not, squeezes a swollen joint. I don't know. Th- this this one did. And what was funny is we got to the urgent care. It was about 45 minutes before it was going to close. There, we were the only people there, and it took forever. Filled out the pa- Filling out the paperwork took forever because we'd never been to this urgent care before. And then uh, when they brought us back to the exam room, f- for the doctor to even get into the room took forever. It was like 10 or 15 minutes. And then when the doctor was done came back after reading the x-ray results that took a long time and then finally she said you know I'll send the nurse back here to buddy tape your fingers and we're sitting there and it's going on 10 minutes 15 minutes and our daughter's exhausted and I said this is ridiculous I've got tape at home I said to our daughter let's just leave I'll tape your fingers when we get home so we got up and we left even though we were supposed to be waiting for this nurse to come in and as we're walking out the door the nurse the receptionist and one other person all except for the doctor sprinted after us to say but but we haven't finished with you and I said well do I owe any payment no I said well then we're fine I'll just tape her finger at home do you know how to do that I said yes I spent a lot of years taping my own like I'm, I'm good with it but it was just funny because there was absolutely no urgency they they kept us waiting for everything but the second like it was like a an escape room thing or something the second they thought we were going to leave this urgent care that's when they bounded out and um and you know, came chasing us down. It was a really, an it was a really odd experience. There was no urgency at the urgent care. There was no urgency at the urgent. I care. had the same experience the first time I bought a car. This was in the '90s, and my dad insisted on going with me to buy the car to negotiate to play hardball, and he had researched the, you know, the wholesale value of the car, and he thought it would be a good strategy to offer the dealer about a hundred dollars more than you know like a hundred dollar profit on a on a five-figure purchase the car dealer didn't really 
like that and they were going back and forth and and my dad did a George Costanza and insisted we walk out and you know this is while the guy goes to the back room with a styrofoam cup of coffee to get the talk to the manager to run the numbers we we left and they came running out into the parking lot to try to get us back into the um, into the dealership those circumstances just so funny how quickly things change. Right. Like I the, thought the guy the, was going to throw himself on the hood of, of the car that we were leaving in, you know, just I to mean, keep us on the lot. When, there was when, no urgency prior to us leaving. When when he was, you know, going in to talk to his manager, he felt like he had all of the power in his hand. And the second that you guys left, it completely shifted but weirdly, the there dynamic. Was, there was no sales incentive at the urgent care for them to keep you on the premises no i know i it was it was just an odd odd experience urgent care makes me just think of obviously medicine and all the commercials we see now of pharmaceutical wares that are being sold on television and and this was my favorite because you know you all they always have the disclaimers at the end do not take this medicine if xyz but my favorite was for this one how do you pronounce it it's f-a-r-x-i-g-a Farjiga? Farjiga. My favorite was, in this commercial, honest to God, it says, do not take if allergic to Farjiga. Seriously? (laughs) Yes. So, you know, usually do not take if allergic to other things. But yeah, it'd be like saying, do not take Tylenol if allergic to Tylenol. I I like if you are pregnant or may become pregnant. Right. And somebody pointed out to you, didn't they, that Almost all of these have seven letters in their name. Someone pointed that out to you. Does. Yes. Yeah. F-A-R-X-I-G-A. Restiva, of course, has seven letters. That's, um, th- you, you mention that now every time one of the pharmaceutical commercials come on, you say, oh, seven letters. Because just about every single one of them does. But Im- imagine the, the company that reaps huge profits, or at least huge fees, from coming up with these inane pharmaceutical names, presumably by put, putting them into a random syllable generator. And uh, Farziga. I know. When I was flying to Waco, there were there were two gentlemen that were sitting in the in the airport on a in a couple seats that were right adjacent to where I was sitting, and I was not trying to eavesdrop on their conversation, but they were sitting right there, and I didn't have any earbuds in, so I just heard what they were saying. One gentleman. Both of these guys were bearded. They were wearing jackets that like uh, motorcycle jackets. And I just hear one guy say to the other, uh, yeah, he drank himself to death. A lot of people do that. And uh, I was just thinking in my head, a lot of people do that? A lot of people drink themselves to death? So anyway, yeah, he drank himself to death. A lot of people do that. And the other guy responded by saying, I ain't going out that way. (laughs) And then there's a pause in the conversation. And the original guy says, and Ginger, she died of a heroin overdose. And these, this, this is like their normal conversation, like people they know talking about how they drank themselves to death and poor Ginger died of a heroin overdose. It was just, I was just sitting there like desperately wanting to look over and see, you know, take in exactly the scene as these two guys were talking to each other. But um, Please tell me you were, you were in a middle seat between these two gentlemen all the oh, way great. to Waco. If I was, and I was like like a tennis spectator just going back and forth as they had this conversation. No, I was sitting in a row right next to their row. So uh so heard this conversation as it was happening. I think in the I think it was happening in the Dallas airport, but it may have been Hartford. My my fever was starting to come on at that point. So I was a little bit confused. This is like a like a, a psychedelic dream that you had maybe, fever dream. 
with a white rabbit playing in the background. Are you sure this ha- happened in real life? Yes, I'm 100% sure it happened because I, I wrote it down. And I, if I wrote it down, then I know it was it was a real thing that was going on. When I was trying to get from Waco back to Dallas so I could catch a flight home, my options were limited because when I flew into Dallas, Holly Rowe had rented a car, waited for me, and she, she drove us to Dallas or to Waco. That was one of my biggest concerns. I didn't want to get her sick. But then I didn't have a car to get me back to Dallas. So anyway, I got an Uber. And when I got in the Uber, I immediately told the kid, he was so nice, 21-year-old kid from Waco. uh, Juicy Landrum is one of the really good guards for Baylor, and he went to high school with her. Anyway, I immediately just said to him, I said, I am sick. I am so sorry. You're going to be in the car with me for the next two hours. Said just to, you know, take every precaution you can, you know, wash down whatever you need to wash down when I get out of the car. But he was a young kid. He's like, you know, I don't really get sick. We'll be fine, whatever. And uh, Isn't that the beauty of being a young person? You don't think you will get sick. Right. Well, You're immune to uh, everything. I have to say that when our, our oldest was sick and I was taking care of her, our youngest, our eight-year-old, said to me one night I was putting her to bed and she said, I, I said, you know, I got to go help your, your sister. And, and our youngest said, well, aren't you afraid you'll get sick if you're if you're um, taking care of her? And I may have said to our eight-year-old, Lobo jeans don't get sick. <laughs> so I told our eight-year-old, Lobo jeans don't get sick. And then two or three days later, I was uh, unable to get out of bed with the flu. But um, How long have you been playing Lobo jeans versus Russian jeans with our kids, unbeknownst to me? I, um, I don't ever play Lobo Russian jeans, but you know I thought this was the right time to play it because generally speaking, I don't get sick very often. I think the last time I had the flu might have been... I don't know how many years ago, but it's been a long time since I've been knocked out with illness. This is nonsense. And, and I Once may have started. I may have started to believe that Lobo jeans don't get sick. How much was an Uber from Waco to Dallas? A two-hour Uber ride across the Texas plains. I was actually surprised that it was not more. The Uber ride was one hundred and twenty-five dollars. And a, plus uh, the plus the three dollar tip. Does plus the three dollar tip. If I'd gotten a car service, it would have been four times that. So yeah, it was it was much cheaper than I expected it to be. It it didn't matter. I had to get back home. I felt so bad, and I knew I was going to feel worse the next day. And there was no way I was going to spend extra time in a, being sick in a hotel in Waco. I mean, just think about having the flu, and then think about having the flu in a hotel, and then think about having the flu in a hotel in Waco. That wasn't happening. I was going to do whatever I needed to do. To get home. Well, if you had the flu in Waco, you could have called on its renowned physician, Dr. Pepper. Ah, uh, good heavens. Wait, if, if I had gotten sick, where's Dr. Gary Siegel? He's in uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, so if I'd gotten Dr. sick Pepper in Atlanta. Dr. Pepper is based in Waco, Texas. Yes. Is it Waco? Is it not? I know it's Texas, but I don't know if it's Waco. If only there was some machine you could put this information into and it would give you the answer. I like it better when our listeners tell us if that's true or not. It really has been a long time since we've done a podcast. And within the last three weeks, I had something happen while I was coaching a youth basketball team that's never happened before. And that is, I should have gotten a technical foul. I absolutely lost my mind in an embarrassing way in one of the games when I was coaching our fifth grade son's game. And uh, what happened is that we, we have a boy on our team who is very, very tall. And even though he's this exact same age as all the other kids on his team and the same age as the kids in the league, he's just bigger than everybody. 
and we were playing a game and the referees were letting the other team beat the holy heck out of this kid. Every time he took a shot, the, he was getting smacked on his arms. There were kids hanging off his Chappens body. happens most games. What's, it happens most games. But this game was much worse than, it had, than we'd seen previously. The kid's the nicest kid. He never gets angry about it. Anyway, I don't know what happened, but I snapped and I may have run out onto the court grabbed the referee's arm and said you've got to call a foul they're beating the holy heck out of that kid and uh and the ref just looked at me and his response was it's not my call as if that has anything to do with anything you see this 10 year old boy getting the crud beaten out of him you gotta make make the call and anyway he sent me over back to the bench and um and it didn't really help our cause any because I think at the end of the half, we our team had had nine fouls called on us and the other team had had zero. So um, it, it didn't really work in our favor in terms of getting the calls. But I don't know what made me snap like that. He should have given me a technical, but he didn't. Um, he just told me to get back in the coach's box. But um, but I've got to make sure that that, uh, that kind of thing doesn't happen again. But man, they... I mean, just because a kid's bigger doesn't mean he plays by any different rules than anybody else like the rules are the rules if if a little tiny boy gets hit on the arm and that's a foul well if a big strong kid gets hit on the arm that too should be a foul gosh that uh also every time the kid is gets a rebound an opposing coach yells over the back right as if he needs to go over the back of a kid a foot shorter than he is right it's uh or three seconds in the lane he's not been in the lane for three seconds you just don't want to allow him to be where everybody else is allowed to and be. the beauty is you can go over someone's back if you don't touch them <laughs> like if there's no contact there's no foul so when they're saying over the back it's like no it's above the back he's you know four feet higher than your right. boy's shoulders and that's how he's getting that rebound over and over and over again and it used to drive your mother nuts when you were in high school playing field hockey and other parents would yell high sticking high sticking and your mother would say She's not high sticking. Her stick is just higher than everybody Her else's shoulder, because she yes. is. It just has to be below your shoulders. And she's like, you base it on your shoulders. Well, when I was at the high school game last night, I was really proud of the referees because they made what is a difficult call to make and they made it correctly. A girl took a shot and while the shot was in the air, another player on that offensive team got fouled. And so, and the shot went in. So the referees talked to one another and they gave the, the team the points and then gave them the basketball, which was the right call. The foul happened after the ball left, left the kid's hands, so the shot's going to count, but then you have to do something with the foul. So that same team got the ball back. And I was sitting there and the, and the fans from the other team were absolutely going nuts. No, you don't get the ball back. You don't get the ball back. And I was just sitting there looking at our 12-year-old and I said, actually, you do get the ball back. And I think she was getting annoyed with me because I was explaining to her. I said, listen, Maeve, you know, because the fall happened after the ball left the hand, blah, blah, blah. But um, as all the parents were yelling, I was so proud of these, you know, JV high school referees for getting the call right because it's not a, one that would just be a c common sense to a referee. But what's better than the, the parents yelling that they're wrong? There's nothing I, I enjoy more than the righteous indignation of the absolutely wrong. You right. Know? right. Uh, I haven't the foggiest idea what I'm talking about, and I'm going to make an adamant, angry, I'm going to scream it out in public. 
that I'm right and you're wrong. Right. When actually the opposite is true. And when it like when it comes to basketball, I hate when I don't know a rule the way I I should know it. And and I know the WNBA rules pretty well, and I know the college rules pretty well because that's my job. But I don't know high school rules because I don't call high school games. And so as I'm watching, like I would never start yelling at a referee or yelling something if I wasn't 100% certain that I knew the rule. You but parents you don't have any problem doing that. You wouldn't yell it even if you of were course. 100% certain. Of course. It's that, not your role sitting in the bleachers to yell advice to the ref. I'm just saying, isn't there some sort of self-awareness? Like, if you don't have any idea what the rule is, why would you sit there screaming and exposing yourself to the fact that you don't know what you're talking about? Is it just that people, when they have an opinion, they're going to scream it at the top of their lungs, whether it's accurate or not? Possibly, but I, I love, and I may have mentioned this before, the people yelling at the refs, you know, that was a travel. Three seconds in the lane. If you really, if your intent really is to help the refs, then yell it when your own kids and your own team does it as well. Right. Hey, my kid just double dribbled, ref. Hey, you didn't call us for three seconds in the lane. It, it literally has never happened. Yeah, that, that I, would, I would like to see that. Here's a question for you because I was watching, uh, this was a college game actually, uh, last week. And at one point um, they had to come out, the kid had to come out and um, sweep in the lane because there was water on the floor. And when he did that, I realized that the kid brooming in his khakis and um, university golf shirt was wearing this exact same outfit as the coach. Um, If you come out as a coach and you're wearing the same outfit as the person brooming the floor, do you think they should feel underdressed at that that time? I think the coach should be given a broom to make them completely (laughs) matching. Just lean on it as he's standing on the sideline calling, uh, or, or calling do, out his you know, offense. How, how, uh, how Tark used to bite on the towel. You could bite on the uh, fuzzy end of the broom. Let's open up the old curiosity shop, shall we? I'm curious as to what's in. This is the first curiosity shop of the new year. Happy is, 2019, yes. young yes. Denny. I'm curious to see what's in the curiosity shop. When the spawn meets world. Denny was going to come up today, but our house is a petri dish of disease, so we told him not to. So hopefully he'll come up next week. Yes. Welcome back, Denny writes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Denny. Rebecca, can you weigh in on the, is it Maury Davenport story? Maury Davenport story. Anyone who follows women's basketball, this is a huge story right now. There's a girl named Maury Davenport who um, is a senior in high school in Alabama. She played for a USA basketball team this past summer. They won a gold medal. And USA basketball, when you play for them, they send you a check afterwards. It's a loss of employment opportunity check, basically because you, you know, because while you were playing for USA Basketball, you didn't have an opportunity to work. So in her case, it was eight hundred and sixty-seven dollars. NCAA rules allows any player who is in college or incoming freshman they can keep that money. Every different state's high school association has different rules. And so USA Basketball normally would contact a state high school association, find out if a kid could accept the money before they sent the check. USA Basketball did not do that in this instance. There were three high school players on the team. All three of them got a check. The other two kids live in different states where it's you're allowed to keep the money, and so there is no issue. But in Alabama, you are not allowed to keep this money. So... Maury Davenport got the check in August. In November, USA Basketball realized its error. 
they called the state association, they called her school, and they called her family and let them know that the check was sent in error. Within two days, Maury Davenport's family returned the money, every single cent of it. The Alabama High School Federation is not letting her play. She she played a few games early in the season. They made her team forfeit those games. Her, her high school team won their high school state championship a year ago, and they are completely unwilling to be reasonable. Even though it was USA Basketball's fault, USA Basketball sent their CEO, Jim Tooley, to a hearing in Alabama where he said this was completely USA Basketball's fault. This is not the kids' fault. And um, State of Alabama High School Association wants to hear none of it. They absurdly said that because Maury Davenport's mother is an assistant coach on the team that she absolutely should know these rules. Well, her mother came out yesterday and said, I'm a fifth grade teacher who volunteers to sit on the bench during games. I don't know these rules. So anyway, they have been completely unbending and um, relentless with this poor kid who just wants to finish out her high school season. She's returned the money. She never asked for the money in the first place. USA Basketball just sent it to her in error. She returned it. And now the head of um, the Alabama Association, Steve Severici, is saying, you know, we have to abide by these rules or it'll open a Pandora's box and then everyone will start breaking rules if... If we let Maury Davenport play this year, so it's just, it's disgusting. I think if they let, if Alabama lets Maury Davenport play this year, that Pandora's box, I would feel emboldened to to do whatever I wanted to do here in in Connecticut. First of all, the Pandora's box, it has never happened before. Isn't that the case? This, this is never, nothing even close to this. They, they admit, the Alabama High School Athletic Association admits that nothing even close to this has ever happened before. And secondly, what's the only question they need to ask? What is what is good for the kid? Right. They, that's that's not, not playing basketball. Right. That's uh, that's clearly not something they're they're even considering. My heart goes out to the kid. You know, you and I talk about this a lot now, but, you know, as we have kids who are getting older. I mean, this is one-fourth of her high school career. Your high school career is only four years. And not only for her, but for the town. I'm sure they take a lot of pride in their basketball team. They're going to try to defend their state championship. It just seems so unbelievably unfair for no reason. Jay Billis has been thumping the drum on this the last couple of uh, the last week. And it seems like now they're just not going to let her play because... You know, they've drawn the line in the sand, but it's really a shame. She's going to play at Rutgers next year. See, Vivian Stringer's spoken out on it as well, but uh, I, I, my heart really goes out to the kid. Denny, this next question. Bob Einstein passed away while we were on break. Do you have a favorite moment of his? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Denny. I've written a, a tribute to his most famous character, Super Dave Osborne, for the current issue of SI, so out in the next couple of days. And I watched hours of Super Dave Osborne uh, highlights for the, those who don't know Super Dave. He was the sort of evil Knievel clone who whose every stunt had a was unsuccessful, had a hundred percent failure rate. And uh, I, of course, he was Marty Funkhauser on Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I, Jerry Seinfeld posted on Twitter a tribute to Bob Einstein from his Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I think it was outtakes that weren't used in the previous in, in the episode they did with Bob Einstein. And my favorite moment in that was Jerry saying at one point, everything we've done here is, is unusable. You know, we're not going to be able to use any of this stuff. And Bob Einstein replied, laughing, uh, unusable. Ha, imagine that. Imagine something being unusable on the Internet. 
<laughs> but anyway, he was a great guest on Carson, starting in the late 70s, on Letterman probably 25 times, and Albert Brooks is his brother, of course, and he is missed. What's next in the Curiosity Shop? This may be a bit of a conspiracy theory, Denny writes, but how do you guys feel about these Amazon Alexas? Question mark. I like I like how Denny is an old young man. These Amazon Alexas. Right, right. Uh, a lot of the listeners probably got them for Christmas, so let's talk about it. People get upset about Facebook selling their data, among other things, but isn't having a device owned by a corporation listening in on your house 24-7 even worse? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just disappointed that our Alexa has never unprompted just said in her artificial intelligence voice steve please stop interrupting rebecca how great would that be i'm waiting for alexa to say steve if you're not doing anything in the middle of the night wake up and put the laundry in the dryer right those would be the kind of reminders i mean it's true although our our amazon alexa is in our kitchen and uh we're not saying a whole lot in our kitchen other than, you know, our kids telling, asking oh, yeah. for, for food constantly. It's absurd. Of course it's terrible. It's 1984. It's, 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 it's Orwellian to have a listening post owned by the largest corporation in the world in your kitchen. It's terrible. It's ridiculous. And yet we're so addicted to what we think of as convenience that nobody gives it a second thought. Because as Although, long as you can tell it to play uh, Seals and Crofts at... Uh, your snap of a finger, then then we're willing to put up with it. We don't. We we talk to our Alexa maybe what once or twice a day. We might ask her the weather or the weather forecast, and then we might ask her to play some music. We we use her as a timer sometimes. You know, set a timer for however many minutes. But we don't like if 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 we unplugged our Alexa or if if, if she broke or whatever. I don't know that we would miss her. We don't really use her very much at all. We definitely have never. I don't use her for. Never you know, refilling anything. orders or purchases. No, no, would never do that. Um, so, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should plug, unplug the old girl and uh, and let them stop eavesdropping on us at the Amazon headquarters. I hope that's never a conversation I have to have. Should we unplug the old girl? <laughs> well, I've got my uh, my do not resuscitate or whatever it's called. So do not uh, unplug. Yeah. Do not plug back in. I've got my do not plug back in orders already all set. Finally, Denny would like to know, uh, what's your take, Rebecca, on LeBron saying he's the greatest ever on More Than an Athlete on ESPN+. Plus? Sure, he's entitled to say and think whatever he wants, writes Denny, but isn't humility required with greatness? With, with, with great something comes great humility. What's that? Great what's power the comes great responsibility. Right. Denny is asking, uh, is it okay for LeBron to say he's the greatest? I didn't, I didn't know he said that. But I, I could I could see why he might think that. Right. He's pretty pretty great. No. I uh I didn't hear him say that. I didn't even until de- the curiosity shop. I didn't know that he had said it. Um, when it comes to most things, LeBron can sort of do no wrong in my eyes. Um, I agree. He does everything right. He does everything right. He's such a great role model. He's our son's favorite basketball player. I love that. And it's kind of like with Muhammad Ali. There was s- such a charm about him the way he was so braggadocious and boasted and it it and he backed it up uh 100%. So frankly um, it would be ludicrous for LeBron to think he were was you know not among the best players of all time. Right. And I I mean and, and if he had some false humility that would be um that would be worse. You know, you wouldn't want to hear him saying, you know, hopefully I can match up with whoever it's going to be, you know, you know, hopefully I can uh, 
I don't know. Do anything that, other that's than its dominate. own kind of egomania. The the absurdly false humility. Right. Right. Exactly. So no, there's there's maybe from someone else that I would that would find that off putting, but not not from the actual greatest basketball player alive. I've got about uh, ten more minutes of remaining upright. So let's. Uh, I've got five. So let's barrel let's, through. Let's our... get to some viewer mail then, shall we? Yes, we shall. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Okay, Mike writes, uh, with the latest news from White Castle, it's bigger than when chocolate and peanut butter combined in the past. White Castle, and he has a link to a, a news story, White Castle is uh, evidently going to come out with a sloppy joke. Steve's I'm, two favorite things in the world. Is this this is an email to you at ballandchainpod at gmail.com? That's right. Because I have, at gmail.com. I have from Mike a tweet of the exact same thing. White Castle unveils sloppy Joe Slider. I will retweet this on our Twitter account, which is Ball and Chain Pod. It's uh, my two favorite things in the world. I mean, it just looks disgusting, but you know, you know, you and I feel differently about White Castle. But yeah, there you go. So next time you're in the Midwest. And you're a White Castle. You definitely are going to need to get the sloppy uh, Joe Mike Slider. Wrote, uh, Mike wrote a uh, perfect ball and chain sponsorship uh, uh, thing, but you just having described it as disgusting perhaps diminishes that, that possibility somewhat. Here's a question for you from yep. Abby. She said, I'm wondering if Steve Russian knows the origin of, quote, bury the lead, unquote, and why it's spelled that way instead of L-E-A-D. So when you say somebody's buried the lead, it's spelled L-E-D-E. Yeah, so in journalism... If you've completely missed the story, you've buried the lead. If your first first paragraph in journalism, newspaper journalism, magazine journalism, is the lead, but it's spelled L-E-D-E rather than L-E-A-D. And the question is, why is it spelled L-E-D-E? Is that the question? Yes. Uh, the reason is is to distinguish it from, I think it goes back to like typesetters instructions um, when there were typesetters mm-hmm. and type was set with lead, L-E-A-D. And so to, I think it's to distinguish lead from yeah the lead, lead from just not to confuse typesetters. Uh, there are other, there are other sort of misspellings like that that are that are kind of ingrained in journalism. The one that springs immediately to mind is TK. If you have some statistic or news that hasn't happened yet, but you need to put it in as a placeholder in your story, you put in TK, standing for to come. I don't know why you don't put in TC, but it's TK. That this this sentence is to come. The sentence is TK, but I don't, I don't know why it's spelled TK. Yeah, I had never heard of uh, the TK until I met you. Well, of course, uh, and when you heard when you met me, the TK you primarily heard about was Tom Kelly, the Twins manager, <laughs> right. two World Series champions. Um, we have a couple of, uh, of Gmails here on the same subject from two different people. Michelle writes, I am also Catholic in my home parish in Columbia, South Carolina, does have cushioning on the pews. With all my road trips for football and basketball games, I've been to a variety of Catholic churches around the country, so I've experienced all levels of comfort over the years. The worst experience was my parish in Charlotte, North Carolina, during my high school days, where the kneelers did not have cushioning. That, on top of attending 8 a.m. Mass as a teenager, made for, quote, fun times. So, the unpadded kneelers, it's always a pleasure. Yes. Deb writes, uh, and encloses pictures uh, of, of her church pew seats you can't really call it a pew they're theater seats they're upholstered upholstered backs and bottoms cup uh, holders with with uh well take a look with with armrests 
I don't oh, see sweet. cup holders. The cup holders may be in the back of the of the seats in front of you in case you're having what a, a beverage during during this. Uh, good morning, Stephen, Rebecca. Merry Christmas to you and your family. So this came in uh, just before the holidays. After listening to the latest podcast, I had to offer a picture of the seats that are in my church. The attached picture is not the exact one, but the same style. Hope Church is a non-denominational church in East Hampton. No kneelers, no benches, just cushy stadium slash auditorium seats. Coming from an Episcopal background, I can attest that services in my current church are much, all caps, more comfortable. While there can sometimes be an aisle sealer, it's like getting in and out of a short row at a sporting event. Once a seat is claimed, no one really gets out other than for our version of the piece. See, when you have seats with armrests and uh, fold-up bottoms, you sort of can claim it as your own, and nobody's going to come bogart that. Nobody's going to ask you to slide over around the armrest. I think that's... Uh, Does each seat have its own armrest, or is it like an uh, airplane where people might start fighting each other for the armrest? Oh, I'm sure people fight fight over the armrest. That's got to be a different thing at, at Mass. But where, where there are no armrests, uh, as in our pews, then it's not an issue. Josh, our friend Josh in Wyoming writes, So we're at a basketball tourney, and one of the girls I used to coach and travel is struggling making full-speed layups after she gets a steal, a very common... Uh, problem and, and not a problem. So that's uh, it's an epidemic. It's not an, even an epidemic. It is. It's, it's a stage of development. At some point, you know, you're, you're not Except driving it too hard. Some kids never get out of it. They still right. go full speed and brick their layup. But anyway. Okay. So struggling making full speed layups after she gets a steal. She just overthinks things at this point. So last night I told her the next time she got a steal, I was going to yell bouncy castles to take her mind off all the garbage she's thinking about currently while she shoots. She had a steal right away this morning and got out in front of everyone like usual. Right before she picked up her dribble, I yelled, Bouncy Castle! She was laughing as she went up and made it look easy with a made layup. I may have used that phrase out loud and in public before Rebecca did, question mark. He may have used, yes, he used it publicly before I did. I, I gotta, I've got got a big game on Thursday. I'm going out to Notre Dame for Louisville-Notre Dame. I wonder if maybe there'll be something that happens there that'll be Bouncy Castles. I certainly hope so. John P., we know John P., John, John writes about surgical drapes. We had we had asked at one point, what are surgical drapes? I think yes. Dr. Gary Siegel may have mentioned surgical drapes yes. in, in, a, in an email. Uh, well, John encloses what he assumes are a picture of surgical drapes. It's the Three Stooges performing surgery while wearing drapes on their face. I don't, I don't know what the context of this is, but I think, I think he's, he's absolutely right. I like the fact that somebody can hear surgical drapes and find a picture of the Three Stooges performing surgery and wearing drapes. That must be in your mental library when you hear the phrase surgical drapes. Right, exactly. As for height hacking, John writes, as insurance, schedule your checkup for early morning. Now, you recently had a checkup and you were two inches shorter than than your previous checkup. An inch and a half. An inch and a half. Uh, While John writes, schedule your checkup for early morning. People are taller after waking up from a night's sleep. Standing all day compresses the many invertebral discs. They all add up to about a half inch. Sleeping lets them expand, so you get that half inch back for a while in the morning. Well, when I went to the doctor the other day for this flu, you know, when, you, when you're at the doctor, the first thing they do is have you step on the scale. And so the, the nurse brought me over and told me to step on the scale. I said, can I face it or do I have to turn my back? And she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so anyway, it was an inside joke with me and me. I have a great tweet here from our friend Matthew Bartelson, and all it says is Merry Christmas, and there's a photograph of a guy, I'm assuming it's a guy, you just see him from like the the chest down, but he's got a giant phone in a holster on his pants, and he's wearing white New Balance. So Matthew, 
yes, Merry Christmas, and that is Happy New Year. I'm gonna keep this. Uh, I'm gonna keep this picture handy. It'll make me smile. That's awesome. I love it. And and lastly, we have a, a Gmail um, email from from my monocle dealer in Columbus, George. And George writes about uh, Sloppy Joe's, my idea for a Sloppy Joe chain. It reminded George of an episode of the 60s sitcom Family Affair. I loved that show. It was in reruns when I was a kid. In one episode, Mr. French, played by Sebastian Cabot, the the family's very proper gentleman's gentleman, was preparing a meal for the young twins Buffy and Jody. The children were excited because he was preparing their favorite food, Sloppy Sam's, presumably a British version of Sloppy Joe's. Mr. French did not approve of that crass name and insisted that the children refer to his sandwiches, sandwiches as untidy Samuels. Since you can't call your sandwiches Sloppy Joe's and Rebecca does not favor the term loose meat sandwiches, would you consider adopting Mr. French's untidy Samuels moniker? I think that would be a fantastic name for the Sloppy Joe chain. Of course, now that White Castle has moved in on our idea, it may no longer be possible. Well, I think when I'm gone on Thursday calling the game, you should ask the kids if they want some untidy Samuels. They want some untidy Samuels for dinner. On that note... Tom, Dick, and Harry... Not too loud because our heads hurt, but play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pad Live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest it's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.